so, sometimes I think she's learning the wrong things at daycare. <laughs> but anyway. Hello, this is Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I am Barry Liga, and with me is Morgan Baden, who just had her nose right up against the microphone. Don't do that. Well, I wasn't talking. <sighs> it's fine. Settle down. The sound of your nose <laughs> interferes with, with the recording. I wasn't through my nose. <sighs> it's not the breathing. It's just the, the pulsing waves of your brain coming out your nose. Isn't that's that a, why you married That's a thing. Me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hello, everybody. Um, we are back. This is three episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. It's good. We're doing well. Yep. We're doing well. Um, I want to start out, though, uh, with something sad, which is that uh, a couple of days ago, as we record, so more like a week ago by the time you all hear this, a woman named Stephanie Squitcherini passed away. Some of you may know that name. Some of you may not. Stephanie was the woman in charge of the Rochester, New York Teen Book Festival. She was the founder she invented this thing, she willed it into existence, and it has been a magnificent uh, festival since the beginning. It's been about uh, 12 years, I think. And uh, it was a really, really great festival, a wonderful time. I went to it for the first time in 2007 uh, after Fanboy and Goth Girl had come out, and it was just mind-blowing the way authors were treated. I mean... You know, you're treated like rock stars. Uh, you know, there's a lot of authors are my rock stars and a lot of that sort of thing. This, they actually went the extra mile. I mean, you know, you, you, we were all ferried to the uh, venue in limos. There was literally a red carpet and a marching band. They had all the kids who were going to the event standing outside cheering for us wow. as we got out. I mean, it, it, it was insane. And especially for a newbie author, it was just, it was really incredible to, to feel that love. And Stephanie and her team of volunteers, they sweated the details. They made sure everything was great. And, um, you know, it, it really, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I remember going that first time and thinking, I hope there's a lot more like this. I hope there are other places around the country where they do this. And I've been to other festivals where they, they attempt to replicate what Stephanie did. And some do to, to, to a great degree. But she was the original. She was the gold standard to this day. That, that shows the gold standard for a book, a local book festival in my mind. And you always talk and, about the Rochester Book yeah, Festival. Like you, this I've, is a thing that you've always talked about how I've, much you love. I've been many times. I'm going again in May. This will be my, my fourth or fifth time going. It really is wonderful. And uh, she was 50, way too young. Um, very, very sad. I was, I was gutted when I heard the news. And there's been an outpouring online from from authors from volunteers from people who go to these shows and it's just it's a very it's a sad day um and uh um if if you have a book festival in your in your area uh there's a good chance it's because a librarian or a bookseller in your area heard about rochester went visited saw what they did and then came home to do it there because that has happened a lot she uh she she put a lot of seeds out there and um you know Rest in peace, Stephanie. So I just wanted to say that. So I have a bunch of things that I've been wanting to talk about on the show for a while. Okay. But have not had the chance because you steamroll over everything <laughs> I try to say. Again, isn't that why you married me? <laughs> no. <laughs> what makes you think that would be why I married you? The energy that rolls out of my nose and my ability to steamroll are two things that are 
going on my gravestone. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's going to be an interesting gravestone. Anyway, uh, no, there are a bunch of things I've wanted to talk about. None of them really seemed like they were the sort of things we would talk about for an entire episode, so I kept mm-hmm. putting them off. I figured we'll just try to run through sure. some of them right now. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is the most uh, recent one, which is Hope Hicks. Uh, is shopping around a book, of course, and looking for a publishing deal. And I saw the figure $10 million bandied about. For those of you who are living under a rock or have been in a coma blissfully... I was going to say, you lucky ducks. Or do not live in this country and have decided just not to pay attention. All of these people I've just described are more fortunate than us. Uh, Hope Hicks was the uh, senior White House communications director under... The guy currently sitting in the Oval Office. Uh, interesting that she was communications director because nobody ever heard her speak. Um, well, they do say the best PR person is invisible, right? The well, best PR person never has their name in the Then news. she must have been amazing yeah. up until now. Yeah. The interesting thing, she's 29, which is, uh, I'm not cutting on her for that. There yeah, are many, many, many brilliant, accomplished people in their 20s. I don't think she's one of them, but, you know. Um, apparently, she was the cover model for uh, one book in the It Girl series. Okay, I definitely did not Which know that. cracks me up. I'll put a link in the show notes. But anyway, so this $10 million figure is being bandied about. And this displeases me. Guys, Barry went on a tear about this the other night. I am so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan was asleep for half of it, and I just kept talking. Um, this makes me so angry because... You know, there are certain patterns in our politics, regardless of which party is in power. You know, when people leave office, they get book deals, they become people, uh, they become pundits on TV. You have Chris Christie, certainly one of the most ignominious ends to a political career in recent history. And now he's paid to sit on ABC News and flap his gab. Yeah, but he's very photogenic, so that's how he got that gig. Wow. (laughs) I went there, guys. Wow. I went there. Whew. Damn, sorry, everybody. I, I need to put some aloe on my hands. I was so close I got burned from that. <laughs> anyway, uh, this annoys me because I don't think, I mean, you know, just because I disagree with you politically does not mean you shouldn't be able to make a living. That's sure. fine. But there are certain people who are beyond the pale. And once we have flushed them from our political system, they should never be heard from again right. unless it's in front of a judge pleading guilty. Right. Hope Hicks is one of them. Sure. And... I know that, you know, any other White House communications director who would leave partway through the term would get a book deal. Fine. Why are you giving this woman this money? Mm -hmm. She is she is complicit in everything that has happened. Correct. And I am ashamed of my industry that my industry is saying we're going to make you rich beyond your wildest dreams because you did horrible things for a horrible man. Right. Now, there may be interesting public value in her book. Apparently, she kept a very detailed diary. Right. Uh, so there may be value to her book. I think she should have a book published, but don't give her $10 million. Give her an average advance yeah. and give her very generous royalty terms. Right. And and guess what, conservatives? Let the free market decide <laughs> how much Hope Hicks's book is worth. Yeah. Well, it's also so interesting because look at how Milo's book backfired, right? Sure. So, like... Whoever picks up this book for whatever price tag it is, and we yeah. know it's going to be in the millions, so just whatever it is, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a backlash. And I feel like whoever picks up this book is possibly going to have to pull it because maybe she'll be in jail, whatever. But, like, I just feel like someone should be worried about that. Like, if I were a yeah. publisher, I don't think I'd buy it. 
Or, again, like, there is a solution to this. Sure, yeah. A time-honored yeah, solution like, that fits in with the business model of book publishing, yeah. which is give her give her, a, give her a quarter million dollar advance. Give her 250 oh, grand. The other night you said 100,000. You're, eh, you're going up. I'm going, I'm going up. I found out she was a Nick Girl cover, so I was like, oh, you know, all right. <laughs> um, give, give her some money. Yeah. And give her generous royalty terms. Yeah. And seriously, let the market decide if what she has to say is worth so much that it's worth overlooking what she did yeah. and for whom. Yeah. And that's how they should handle everybody who gets flushed down the toilet of this administration. Well, and that's the thing, you know, the way we've normalized it. Yeah. Is like, yeah, well, every other previous administration had high-level officials exit the administration and go on to publish books and go on speaking tours and blah, right. blah, blah. Like, sure. That's just what you do. Right. This but is like, different. This is not a normal We should not be treating them like that. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And I, I don't work in television news, so I did not fulminate about Corey Lewandowski getting a, a sweetheart deal from right. CNN, even right. though that it's rankled. Absurd. Yeah. But this is my industry. Yeah. And Like, don't do it, guys. This drives me f***ing insane. Yeah. It's just wrong. And this isn't because I disagree with her politically. Again, like, I have no problem with the fact that, you know, people who worked for George W. Bush got right. sweet publishing deals. Yeah. That's fine. This is different, mm-hmm. and it should be treated differently. It's and it is, dirty money, it is guys. disgusting that people would offer this kind of money. Yeah. They should not do it. All right. Let's move on. Please. <laughs> Please. Do you need to get, like, your blood pressure under control? I, I got blood pressure medicine right here yeah, on my desk. It's sitting it. right here, but I've already taken it today. Okay. I want to talk about series, book series. Okay. Uh, and I want to talk specifically about, about something that happened with, uh, with The Flash, where I, I saw a couple of, of people commenting on the first book saying that they enjoyed it, but they were very annoyed that it turned out to be the first book in a series. They hadn't known that when they sat down to read it. They were very upset by the way it ended on a cliffhanger. And uh, actually, two cliffhangers, because that's my specialty. Uh, <laughs> and, and they were very upset by that. And they knocked off a star or half a star or whatever, whatever the current currency is. And, and, and I was struck by this because it's not that they said, I didn't like this book. They said they liked it. They were annoyed by the way that it ended and that it was part of a series. And I guess what I'm wondering is if, if you read a book and you like it and you find out at the end there's more of it. Wouldn't you be thrilled? Well, I, I, I guess that's what I'm asking. Like, I, I don't want to try to tell these people. I don't want to invalidate their reaction. Or tell them you're wrong for what they're feeling, because feelings can't be right or wrong. And I guess I understand. Like, in a way, you go into this thinking, I'm reading a story, and you find out you're reading half a story or a third mm-hmm. of a story or a tenth of a story or yeah. whatever it ends up being. But I get, how do you feel about that? Like, have you ever been in that situation where you pick up a book, you read it, you're enjoying it, you get to the end, and you realize, oh, it's not over? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm, like, searching through my archives right now to, to, to think about that. I I don't think that's ever happened to me. The only thing, I feel like I can sort of sympathize with the whole, like, I bought this standalone book because I like The Flash. And I'm not a big reader, but I like The Flash. Mm. And I don't really buy books, and it's not in my budget, but I like The Flash. I don't know, like... I don't think anybody said that, but that that could be. No, I'm very much reaching here, trying to, like, figure out why that would upset someone. Yeah. Do they feel like they've been duped? Yeah. I mean, I will say that I have... Always, I mean, I've done three series at this point. Yeah. Flash is my third series. I have always tried to convince my publishers to put somewhere on the cover book one. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've begged in some I cases. Ever, ever been like, has there ever been research done on that? Like, yeah. 
does this it series, might hurt sales i know that's what i'm saying i would love yeah. or could someone like repackage something in one country versus another as right. you know labeling like that that's interesting i i mean i know i know i've i've said you know many times in these cases please like let people know yeah. and i know you know it's funny because we think you know we're very plugged into the industry we pay attention to a lot of this stuff and we think some of this stuff is is obvious but i know that you know, I Hunt Killers, the second book in the Killer series, Game, ended on three different cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is my specialty. Mm-hmm. And it's a trilogy. So there's a third book. Oh, I, uh-huh. for a year, I got nothing but a steady stream of emails and tweets from people saying, how could you do this? Please tell me yeah. there will be another book someday. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I'm not yeah. an asshole. Yeah. And, but it's amazing to me. Like, I just thought people would, people would just know right. it's a trilogy, yeah. obviously. And yet... People did not know that. Well, how would they? Let's. I know. Well, I, and then I thought about it some yeah. more, and I'm like, oh. And I've always said that the biggest writing mistake I've made in my career was not putting the words to be continued uh, at the end of the second book. Oh, that's funny. Because I would have saved myself a lot of pain yeah. for that year until Blood of My Blood. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Listen, readers are weird. I mean. <laughs> and hey, look, we're readers. We're not, uh-huh. uh, we're not telling people. When I think of know, some of the reasons why I get, like, annoyed at a certain book. Yeah. They're, they're frivolous reasons. Yeah. yeah. But they're mine, damn it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit last year about had Trump killed publishing. Right. We talk, I'll put a link in the show notes to our original podcast where we talked about this. There was some talk early 2017 about mm-hmm. sales and that sort of thing. And I'm happy to report that we now know for a fact that he did. Um, I have many publishers, so I'm not telling tales out of school or anything, but I got an email that was sent by the head of one of the publishers for which I work. Okay. Uh, that was sent out to all the authors, basically summing up 2017 from this publisher's perspective. Okay. Here's what was good. Here's what was bad. Here's what we look forward to in the future. And one of the things that, that this person said was in the marketplace, 2017 started slowly as bookstore traffic was low and consumers were transfixed by political events. Ugh. And we had suspected this, and yeah, people had been yeah. talking about this. And I had wondered if perhaps that hurt Bang in sales, because Bang came out in the early part of 2017. Uh-huh. And now it seems like that's yeah. the case, yeah. that you know that, that sales were down across the board, and that, that, that the industry was actually hurt by that. Um, it is one more thing... That he has ruined. That he has ruined. Uh, again, not to turn this into a political podcast, but here we go. This is Everything is political yeah. now. Um, but the thing that, that I'm glad to hear is that uh, ebook sales were very steady, okay. and by the end of the year, sales had rebounded quite oh, a bit. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so that's that's good. Yeah. So ho- hopefully, like this how... is a this is an acute thing and not a chronic yeah. thing. Yeah, it's kind of like how people who graduated and sought jobs at the height of the crash, yeah. 08 and 09, still have not recovered financially because they entered the market yep. at a much lower salary and haven't been able to catch up versus people who graduated four years later. Right. That's or four like, years earlier. Right. Well, certainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's kind of like people whose books came out in third quarter 2016 and first half 2017. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, obviously there were standouts. I sure, mean, there were, course, there, yeah, yeah. There, you know, as there always are. Yeah. But generally, we're talking yeah. generally, um, sales were down and that, yeah. and that hurt people. Wow. Meanwhile, there I was. Desperately buying books because anything I could do to escape. <laughs> right, right. It's like yeah. I was spending money on that escapism. I, I think it's not a coincidence that Netflix 
over the past mm. 18 months has ramped up its production of original content. Right, yeah. Really. I mean, I think people are binging like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, we are blowing through these. I am Good. so happy. This I'm is clearing like a top out. ten list, right? It really is. Yeah. It's, I'm just clearing out the stuff that I've wanted to talk about for a while. Um, so I want to talk about criticism okay. for a moment. Um, a fellow writer once said to me that most literary criticism boils down to, that's not how I would have done it. Mm. What do you what do you think about that? So I don't read a ton of literary criticism. Okay, but you read reviews. I I hesitatingly yeah. hesitantly that's a word. I, I don't read reviews as a rule. I read some reviews only if I'm interested in the book. Right. Only if it's like I read a review if it's a book by someone I know. I read a review if it's about a book that I have heard a lot about. And then I'll read a book, uh, I'll read a review about a book that is something I've been considering buying, but I maybe heard conflicting opinions. Okay. But I don't like, I don't go to Kirkus and read the month's starred reviews. Right, sure, yeah. sure. But I mean, you've been in a situation where, for example, you've workshopped your own oh, work. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Do you find that that's the case, that a lot of what people say sort of boils down to, like, even if they don't explicitly say, yeah. that's not how I would have done it, you sort of get the sense that well, they just want to rewrite your story their way? It's not that I get that sense. I mean, probably that's the core truth of all of it, yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of the good thing about a workshop, because it opens you up to new ideas, right? right? But at the end of the day, you can be like, that's your idea, not mine. This right. is mine. I'm going to stick with it. Um no, but that's probably probably true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know that in a lot of cases, I mean, I'll cop to it. I know that that's how I end up feeling okay. in a lot of cases. If I read somebody else's work and I just kind of, there's just this part of me that's like, no, 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 no. If you do it this way, it would be so much. Right. Do it my way, yeah. and it'll be better. Well, can we talk about jointly writing? Because yeah, sure. That's there were many times reading your parts of the project we worked on together. Yes, where I started to edit, and then I was like, well, no, just because I would write this particular sentence differently doesn't mean it's wrong especially since barry is perfect <laughs> and can do no wrong right yes that's anyway. why i married you <laughs> <laughs> so there was a, so that was an interesting lesson too so like uh, to your point yeah like i do think there's an element of the author did this with the storyline they should have done this because that's what i would have right. done and yeah, I think with co-writing too, it's kind of a similar thing that I had to stop myself yeah. from doing. I mean, I know that there was a moment, and I don't mean to be so oblique, but <laughs> spoilers, and the book doesn't even exist right, yet. Like, yeah. it's not even out yet. Um, but I know there was a moment that you wrote that completely caught uh, me off guard. Yeah. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of describe it. I had been building a certain character a certain way, and you came in and in one paragraph knocked this guy off his pedestal and changed the core of the relationship between two of the characters. Uh -huh. Well, three of the characters, really. And I was, like, really pissed. I didn't know you were pissed. I was, like, I was shocked, <laughs> and I was pissed because I was like, I did all this work, and you just undercut it, and I almost just deleted that paragraph. Um, and obviously you would have realized I deleted yeah. it, and then we would have had a fight about it. But, I, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? This takes the story in different places, different ways. And that's what collaboration is supposed yeah, to be about. Yeah. It's not about how do I impose my will on you right. or how do you impose your will on me? It's about how do we mutually find a way mm -hmm. to a story that neither one of us could have come with independently. Yeah. And that's a tough lesson. That was a difficult lesson for me to wow. learn. 
sitting at my desk reading that paragraph, my blood boiling, <laughs> because I'm you guys, used, I'm learning all sorts of things I'm, right now. <laughs> I'm used to working on my own. I'm used to being yeah. the guy in charge. Sure. I'm used to being the prima donna, the diva, the control freak. And suddenly the story was going someplace I didn't intend it to go. Yeah. And like, it was a conscious decision. Okay, let it do that. Yeah. Let's see where this oh, goes. Let's see what happens with it. Well, so when you look at reviews of some of your books, <laughs> which, you... which can I just point out? Yeah. I know all, I think universally all authors say they don't read reviews. I'm calling bullshit on that. I think 99% of them do. Yeah. You just, how can you not? I, yeah, I can't imagine. Like, you've got to be a much more zen person than I am. Well, especially from the big trades. Like, yeah. I'm not talking about Jane Smith book blog over there. Like, Jane Smith's book blog is awesome. <laughs> she loved I Hunt Killers. <laughs> anyway, how do you feel when you read a review? And yeah, let's, let's say it's even a really positive, let's say it's yeah. one of the starred reviews. Yeah, yeah. But every review probably contains an element of criticism in it right like is that the, is that the rule no i mean i the, the, here are some of the things that amaze me about reviews in general um there are times where you will read a review this has happened to me the person will say oh my god i love this book i was swept up in this book it carried me away you know it it made my sex life better i lost 20 pounds you know that that's how amazing this book is mm -hmm. four stars and I'm like, out of five, yeah. like, come on, that fifth, that fifth star costs you nothing. Uh -huh. <laughs> There's no extra charge for the fifth star. And you just, you said not a bad thing about mm -hmm. it. Like, why not five stars? Yeah. So I, I have, I have an issue with the whole five star system. Sure. I think it is too loose. I think it should either be thumbs up, thumbs down. Ah. It was good or it wasn't. Like pass fail in college. Pass fail in college yeah. or three stars. Which I think the problem with five stars is people. There's too much nuance. There's too much nuance. Yeah. To some people, three stars is a really good book. Right. But to other people, three stars is just eh. It's like performance and, ratings at work. Yeah. Where three, it's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. And three is like you are doing your job and you're doing it damn well. Yeah. But people get really upset when they get threes. Right. Because they want a two or a one. Yeah. Which is like outstanding. You right. should be the CEO. And I think yeah. I think if it was three stars, that breaks down. You know, everybody perceives five stars differently. Yeah. They all have their own meaning for what each star is. Three stars, there's really only one way to look at it. Bad, good, great. Yeah. Right? That's it. Three yeah. stars. Bad, good, great. Let's just make everything three stars <laughs> from now on. Like, let's just go to a three-star system. So, but when I... When I read Ladies reviews, and though, we are using this evening to announce a new book review website based on <laughs> exactly Ligapages.com. Ligapages.com. <laughs> now I have to go register that. I know, Thanks. Yeah. Um, reading reviews of your own work is very strange. Yeah. Uh, right from the beginning, um, the very first review for my very first book was a librarian's blog that I saw, mm. and she did not like it. She did oh. not care for it, and man, did that hurt. Uh -huh. And it's funny because the next year she loved Boy Toy. Oh. Loved it. Gushed about it. Huh. And a couple of years later, just fell in love with I Hunt Killers. And wrote on her blog, maybe I should go back and read his first book again. Whoa. Because maybe I was just in a bad mood or something. Because right. he's written some really good books. And I don't understand why I didn't like that first one. Huh. Um, I think that's a very rare, very self-aware person. Yeah, yeah. You know, to, to put that much thought into it. Um it is very strange to have other people read your work and comment on it as if you are never going to see it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And even sometimes even the positive reviews will annoy me because sometimes <laughs> they will gush about something. I'll be like, but that's not the point. <laughs> or that's not even the good part. Like, you're yeah. liking the wrong thing, <laughs> you know. Um, but then, you know, sometimes you get a review that just nails everything about the book. Mm, yeah. Where everything they like are the things they're supposed to like, yeah. the way they're supposed to like. You it's know, like it, you see me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really and it really it's one of those rare moments of pure connectivity between two people who have never met yeah. and have never been in a room together. And yet you just know if I ever met this person, like we'd be yeah. brothers, you know? Um, and, and, and that, that's very interesting and that's really worthwhile. Uh, it does not happen a lot. Yeah. I mean, that kind of connection generally of, doesn't right, happen a of lot. Of course, yeah. of course. But you know, it is, it, it's nice to be able to go, okay, I'm not the only one who got that out of this book. Right, right. Like somebody else out there in the universe yeah. got what I got out of it. Um, I, I I try not to read reviews. I really do. But there are some things you've got to look at, yeah. you know, and you've got to know. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, parenting. It's been a hell of a weekend. It's It has been a hell of a weekend. Yeah. Uh, our daughter um, ended well, up with uh, strep throat. Gosh, it's always the things you don't expect. Yeah. We had uh, our son was not feeling well, and we put him to bed, what, Friday night? Yeah. Thinking that we would be up a couple times with him. Yeah. And instead, he slept through the night, and our daughter didn't sleep a wink. Woke up at 2. Woke up at 2 in the morning. Like 1.30, yeah. Yeah. With a fever. With a fever, feeling terrible, ended up come, crawling into bed with us. Oh, poor child. Oh, it was so sweet, though, you guys. She slept holding Barry's hand. That was, was very, very nice. She was in my, the crook of my arm, but yeah. she would, like reached across the bed and yeah. held his hand. It was really yeah. sweet. That was very sweet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- this was we were not expecting this. It's always the kid we don't expect to it have is, the problem yeah. who, who has the problem. Yeah. Um, and then the next night, we thought, Saturday night, we yeah. thought she would be up all night again. Because yeah. she had only had one dose of antibiotics at that point. Yeah. You know, we thought she'd still be feeling poorly. She slept great. Yep. The other the kid baby wakes up. up in the middle of the night <laughs> screaming for no reason we could figure. We this really is a kid who not. doesn't do this. Yeah. Like, he never does this. this always, like, I, I try and just sort of watch it, like, from a detached point of view when yeah. he does this stuff. Because I'm like, who is this creature? Like, right. wait, who is this changeling baby? Seriously, like, I go in there, and I'm holding him, and I'm just, and I'm just like annoyed i'm like this isn't my kid what am i doing like this is stupid this isn't my kid um meanwhile i'm like something must be really wrong because this isn't like him we still don't know what it was by the way no i actually we think was. it was gas we think yeah we yeah. think it was gas but we have no idea as our daughter would say "Ooh, excuse me i'm very gassy I'm right very now gassy right now <laughs> which is hilarious <sighs> so, sometimes i think she's learning the wrong things at daycare but anyway <laughs> Um, so we, we, we hinted at this last week, but we, we each have a kid who is desperately in love with us <laughs> and it's a little strange, it but it's also cute. It's but like cute. our daughter is definitely glued to your hip. Right. She is a mama's girl yes. to the point where she will whine that she wants her mommy. Even when you are holding her, I will literally, you guys, you're literally, literally holding her she's and she's like, house. I want my mommy. And yeah. you're like, I'm holding you. I, it's, I know what it means. Like it means I want comfort. Yeah. I want to feel good. Right. And that's evidenced by the fact that all night, Saturday or Friday night when she was up sick, like again, glued to my chest in right. bed. And she's like, I want my mama. Right. And it's like, oh, she feels terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And our son... Our son is obsessed with you. Like, like you can be holding him, tickling him, doing things with him, and he's watching me the whole time. He is. He's waiting for your reaction. He's waiting for my reaction. And it, you guys, it's so cute because, like, 
I'll, you know, I'll snuggle him and I'll be playing with him and we're having a grand old time. But like Barry will walk in the room and he just spins around and <laughs> beelines towards him and then like holds his arms up and climbs yep. into your lap and oh, yep. snuggles in. You, yeah, it's yep. so sweet. So, I mean, is this like, is this a gender thing? Like, no, is it a, is, what, what what is, it like, is. I'm, I'm just curious I about really what, it don't is. Know what it is. I, I mean, part of me, the like, probably ridiculously guilty part that's unnecessary feels like, oh, oh, I, I breastfed our daughter for nine months. Yeah. She was, she was a very touchy baby and, and remains yeah. a touchy kid. Like, oh, she's yeah. high touch. She yep. likes to be touched. Yep. And, and so we were glued together for those first four months in particular, right. like constantly. And with him, I, I just didn't, I only breastfed him for two months. I, he was not, I mean, he's a very different baby. Like he was not like, oh mama, let me cuddle with you and stay here all day or right. all night. He was like, I'm, you know, one and done one minute and I'm out. Like yep. he's not a high touch kid. So I don't know if there's something to like the fact that in those early days with him, we weren't as physically connected yeah. as I was with our daughter. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's true. Yeah. And also probably, again, looking back at like the first month of his life, our daughter was very sick. So I was holding him a lot. You held him a lot yeah. while I held her. I never thought about that until just now. Me neither. So. Yeah. There, we solved it. That could, I mean, that could no, be it. No, it could be something. I mean, that, that could be that, something. That, yeah. yeah that could I mean, be listen, it. it's like... There's a part of me that like feels a little pang every time I like he turns away from me and goes to you. Yeah, I mean I definitely feel that way. You do. Oh, I mean when yeah, you know especially because I was home with her yeah. for so long. Yeah, that's true. Like I was her primary caregiver for a very long time mm-hmm. for months, and yet she still runs to you. Yeah, you know, and um, and I was just like, but but. But I kept you. I kept you alive. I'm the guy. I kept you alive, and you're going to her. What what did she do? Um, And and gave her life. FYI. uh, (laughs) Lately, what have you done lately? Um, And 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 so I thought, like, am I doing something wrong? Like, am I a bad father? Like, what am I? You know? And and then and and, we had him, and just well, but that theory. Well, no. I mean, then you would think that I would feel better. Like, oh, but now I'm just like, oh, am I being a better father to him for some reason? You know? about that too like as an example listeners barry picks me up at the train station every night on my way home from work with both kids in the car we pull into our house i I decide to bring both of them (laughs) instead of leaving one at home and because our daughter demands it yeah and she's three so she rules the roost i am only allowed to get her out of the car right barry has to get the baby yep so every single night i come home from work and i'm like i can't wait to see my kids and i like basically don't see the baby for a while because she's so demanding of my attention yeah both physically and emotionally and she definitely i don't want to make it sound like she's this like little monster but but it's like this like i like she i take she's my priority when i get home and he's yours but i always then like after a few minutes i'm always like let me i need some time with him right um and i put him to bed a lot of the most of the time yeah and i give him his baths and that's our our time and it's very sweet and lovey but it's like i do i feel bad that i don't spend as much time with him as i do with her yeah and you i guess feel kind of the same well i feel bad because you know there's those few hours couple hours in the afternoon every day yeah. where it's just me with the kids yeah they're out of daycare, but you're not home yet, and it's me with them. 
And I feel bad because a lot of times she will want to do something with me that I can't do because uh, I have to keep an eye on him. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are certain games she wants to play or toys she wants yeah. to play with that require my attention. Yeah. I can't do those things yeah. because I have to watch him too. Yeah. And I can't be like making sure she's not eating Play-Doh while I'm also making sure he's not sticking his face on a radiator. Right. Because that's something he would he has done in the past. Yeah. Fortunately, it wasn't on. <laughs> um, but... It's hard. You, you know, know, it's such a balance. It's tough. And I, I, I've never talked to my family about whether, like, any one of us kids demanded more attention or, like, had a, a different oh, bond. Oh, I can guess which one. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And, I mean, I was going to say my mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad worked. And I do specifically remember a time where my mom was like, guys, when your dad comes home, say hello to him for crying out loud. Yeah. But we got so just, like, we would be like, hey, dad, and then go back to whatever we are doing. This is as we were older, of course. Right. Um, and I had to be like, Dude, like, you love your dad. Spend time with your dad. Say yeah. hello. Act like you care that he's home. Right. So, I, I remember the exact opposite thing in my family. Sure, because your dad would come home. My dad would come home and be like, Dad, Dad. And my mom would be like, I was here all day doing everything for you. Which is like, <laughs> like, I wish you could be half as excited about me. Which is like the cliche, right? Yeah. And that wasn't the case in our family. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. You're all mama's girls and we boys. Are. Yeah, we all are. All of you. Every well, single listen, one of you. It's, it's a matriarch. We know that. <laughs> all right. Well... Dribs and drabs episode. Dribs and drabs. But I'm glad. I feel like we got through a lot of stuff and, and crossed a lot of things off my list and I got to rant about things, which that to me is the hallmark of a good episode if I get to rant. <laughs> so everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back in two weeks. Uh, in the meantime, visit us at WIRL Podcast on Twitter. Follow us. Visit us at writinginreallife.com and uh, leave us comments, check out the show notes, and most important of all, subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. And as long as they're still using the, fi- the old antiquated five-star system <laughs> that has been disproven by science, you might as well give us five stars. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Bye.